Halloween in Tijuana, full moon in my eyes. I wonder how in the hell I got here without a disguise. Should I take this last step or turn myself around or follow my intuition into that border town? Thanks for tuning into the latest episode of the Songlines and Tan Lines podcast, a place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And thank you, Nightwish, for opening the episode. Love their version of that song, a song from my favorite Broadway show, The Phantom of the Opera. Granted, I haven't seen a lot of Broadway shows, but the ones I have seen, I've really enjoyed. Wicked is up there for me. Les Mis is up there with me, too. Love that one. Rent is great as well. But The Phantom of the Opera, love, love, love The Phantom of the Opera. And maybe someday I can see Escape to Margaritaville. All right, now let's pull up the anchor and set sail. This week, I'm going to celebrate Halloween by diving into two songs. It's Halloween, it's my favorite holiday, so I thought an extra song might be nice this week. The song by Jimmy that I am featuring is a song that I thought about featuring last Halloween. Can't believe I have gone around the calendar and landed back on this holiday. Crazy that I can keep churning out these episodes. But I enjoy doing this podcast, so I will keep going as long as the creative fire burns bright. And as long as I feel like I have Buffett songs to talk about or other music to talk about. But the opening song in this episode is not a song by Buffett. It's a song by David Ball called Riding with Private Malone from his album Amigo. And I'm not starting it at the start like I usually do. I'm jumping into the later portion of it, the part that gets spooky. Ooh, let's get into it. didn't seem to work quite right. But it picked up that oldie show, especially late at night. I'd get the feeling sometimes if I turn real quick, I'd see a soldier riding shotgun in the seat right next to me. It was a young man named Private Andrew Malone who fought for his country and never made it home. 
Perfect for the Halloween season, right? Someone possibly being saved from a car crash by a ghost? And if you enjoy ghost stories and need a bit of creepy this Halloween season, check out the podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire. Truly enjoy listening to it each week. He talks to people who have had strange things happen to them. Ghost experiences, UFO sightings, really anything that is strange and unexplained. There's also a podcast called 13 Days of Halloween, which is pretty neat. The New England Legends podcast. And Somewhere in the Skies is a great one for UFO stuff and for ghost stories occasionally. So those are some good ones to listen to during this holiday season. And since this is a Halloween show, I thought I would play an episode I released on my Nightlight Tales podcast, all about my personal ghost stories. It's a bit long, but it's a perfect cocktail for the Halloween season. Here it is. My Personal Ghost Stories And all the stories I'm going to talk about happened at the same house my family and I lived in for a brief bit of time. It was a house that always felt kind of different when you walked into it. You never felt alone, even if you were. I've had experiences beyond this house as well. We lived in an apartment one time that had some strange happenings. I went into an abandoned bunker the Germans used to use in World War II um, to take out troops on the beaches of Normandy. Um, that was super creepy. Lots of energy there. I had to get out of there quick. Um, there's been things like that. But most of the moments in my life that could have been paranormal may or may not have been. But I am pretty sure, almost 98% sure, this house I lived in was haunted. And I think the stories I have to tell about it will help to prove my point. Let's get into it. Ghost Story 1. This is probably one of the creepier moments that I had there. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I think it happened right around the time the 80s went into the 90s. I was talking with my girlfriend at the time, back when you had to use the house phone to call your girl, not a cell phone. You had to have nerves of steel to call girls back then because her mom or dad might answer and then you got to talk awkwardly to them for a moment or two before the girl you were calling was allowed to talk. Kids these days don't get to experience that level of fear and that may or may not be a good thing. It definitely kept you on your toes when talking to a girl's dad. Anyway, off subject a bit there, what I was going to say was that while I was talking to my girl, I heard footsteps at the back of the house. Still get chills thinking about it. And it was distinct footsteps. I can still hear the floorboards creaking. And I remember telling my girlfriend at the time, I thought someone was in the house with me. I think I went as far as pausing the conversation in order to go 
investigate. Needless to say, there was nothing there, but I heard them. I know I did. They crossed from my parents' room to my brother's room and stopped after a few steps. There was no mistaking that sound. You know footsteps when you hear them. I'm going to take a talking pause throughout this episode and highlight three trailers, three movies that still freak me out and scare me every time I see them, no matter how many times I see them. First trailer, The Haunting, the one from 1963. It's in black and white, set in a big house, super spooky. supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen but it does happen now look doc we're buddies okay but don't try to convert me i'm trying to prepare you my name's markway dr markway a scientist interested in the supernatural the unnatural if you like i came to hill house to find the key to another world assisting me in this exploration of the unknown was eleanor nell who could look back into the past and theo something of a witch who could see into the future. This is Luke, who didn't believe in anything until evil, patient and waiting, made him change his mind. Stop it! God. God. Whose hand was I holding? How many of us take seriously the things we cannot or do not want to understand simply because we are afraid? Eleanor, you call! Did you hear me calling? This house. You have to watch it every minute. The Haunting was produced and directed by Robert Wise, brilliant producer of West Side Story. The stars consist of a cross-section of top talent in the world of entertainment. Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, Russ Tamblin. What does it take to convince you that the dead do not always rest in peace? But some houses, like Hill House, are born bad. Ghost story too. My brother's room in this house had a separate thermostat in it, and it wasn't a big house. But that room was always cold. No matter how warm it was in the house, that room always seemed to be cold. And one night I was watching TV in his room. I think it was a basketball game? Nothing spooky. And as I was watching this game, I felt this cold, foggy mist settle down on top of me like a thin net. I remember jumping up, checking the window to see if it was a draft. Nope. I investigated further and found no way I could have felt something settle on me from that direction. Needless to say, it freaked me out. I still don't know what it was to this day. Paranormal, a weird draft of some kind. Not sure, but it was an odd moment in my life. And here is trailer two from the 1980 George C. Scott film, The Changeling. It's another one set in a big spooky house with lots of things bumping around that shouldn't be bumping around. <laughs> 
Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Ghost Story 3. This one isn't as spectacular or as big as the other two stories, but I remember a night lying on my bed doing homework, I think. The memory is fuzzy the older I get, but whatever I was doing, I was on my bed and my cat was there with me. All of a sudden, the ceiling popped, almost like it was settling, and I could have dismissed it with that explanation, but my cat popped her head up to that spot and stared at it. I have owned lots of cats in my lifetime, and usually when they hear a noise, it causes them to look for a moment and then go back to being a cat. Not this time. That cat stared hard at that spot for a little bit, enough so that I think I got up and left the room. Freaked me out that much. And it might have been the house settling, and in any other house, you might be right, but in the house we were living in at the time, I'm not sure it was just the ceiling settling. And here is the final trailer. Trailer 3. And it is a movie that most of you probably know and love from 1982. Probably has scared a lot of you throughout the years. Poltergeist. Still gets me every time I see it. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. <laughs> you are so unlucky. With their three children. <laughs> and something more. Hello. They are here. Sweetie, remember last night? Do you remember when you woke up and you said yeah. you're here? 
And the final thing I want to talk about are accounts of weird things happening in this house with my family members. My mom had a moment where something walked up and touched her on the shoulder. She turned around and it was nothing but an empty house. My brother, who is a skeptic, doesn't believe in this stuff, woke up one night and there was an old lady standing by the foot of his bed. He dismissed it as a dream, or kind of a half-awake, half-asleep moment. That's possible, I guess. But get this, he slept in the room that had the separate thermostat, the room that was always cold, the room that always had the chill, the room those footsteps I heard disappeared into. Not saying he saw a full-bodied apparition, but I'm also not saying he didn't. And finally, my dad, who really is a skeptic, brushes everything off like this, One night he heard the kitchen cabinets opening and closing. The next morning he assumed it was one of us. I think he still thinks it was one of us. But we were all in bed, and the cat was outside in the garage. Was he half in and half out of a dream? Did it really happen? Was it some other noise filtering in from the outside world? We did live at the very top of a subdivision, and voices did carry. I can't tell you how many times we heard a car pull up in the driveway, doors opening, people talking but no car had arrived at her house. All I'm saying is that might have been the root cause of the cabinets at night, or maybe some of the other things that happened there. But, and this is a very big but, I know what I heard. I know what I felt. And to me, that is proof enough that maybe, just maybe, something beyond this world was inhabiting that house. hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to send me your ghost stories or strange experiences if you want. I would enjoy featuring them on the show. Even though this is a Buffett podcast, we can still share the spooky from time to time. Now, on to the Jimmy song I want to feature, Desperation Samba, a song I wanted to cover last Halloween, but since Jimmy Buffett Halloween songs are rare, I thought I would save it for this year 
in case this podcast was still going strong, and so far so good. And yes, that is one of Buffett's buddies doing the whip crack in this song, Harrison Ford. I know Ford and Jimmy are big friends and pilots, and there was a rumored movie years ago that both of them were going to be a part of. Not sure what happened to that movie, but I would have loved to see it. And it doesn't surprise me Ford would show up on a Buffett album eventually. Kind of makes sense. Now, let's get into the song. Ow! Watch out for that whip! Fabulous song. Always enjoyed it. And it's another one high on my list of Buffett songs. According to Setlist FM, this song saw the concert stage for the first time in 2001. Hold up. One second. I have to admit that when I saw that stat, I immediately went to BuffettNews.com in order to see if it was right. And you know what? It was. So this incredible song sat buried on an album an album released in 1985, an album called Last Mango in Paris for 16 years before Jimmy decided to make it a regular on tour? That's crazy. And from 2001 to the last time it was played live in 2008, it got a chance to shine 64 times in front of a concert crowd. In a span of seven years, this song had a really good run, and I'm glad it did. It deserves it, And it has long been one of mine that I have always enjoyed. But I say that often, right? Anyway, here's a bit more about this song from the man himself, the Pirate King, from the BuffettNews.com website. It goes, I wound up in Mexico one day, passing through Tijuana on my way to Rosarito Beach. I was passing through the bizarre streets of this border town, listening to the radio from San Diego, when the DJ mentioned that it was Halloween. I looked around and realized that none of these people needed a costume. This song brings to mind two things. First, an image of Robert Mitchum standing in the doorway of a bar in Tijuana. And second, 
a line by Thomas McGuane, my brother-in-law, from his book Panama. The night wrote a check, the morning couldn't cash. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. You can hear my voice talking music on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and talking horror on the Nightlight Tales podcast. You can email me at songlinesandtanlines at gmail.com and all my other social areas can be found in the description of the show. And if you enjoy what I'm doing, don't forget to leave me a review wherever you get your podcast from. And I'm finishing The Living Sand this week after the theme from Phantasm plays. Love that movie. So good. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha. You've reached the end. The final pages of The Living Sand. Congratulations for making it this far if you have listened to each of these ending episodes. And I plan to keep on doing them with other stories of mine. I'm going to dive into some of my holiday stories coming up over the coming weeks. As well as some holiday songs. So stay tuned for those. If you like vampires, if you like zombies, if you like Christmas, if you like Thanksgiving, guess what? You're going to hear it. Anyway, this story is called The Living Sand. It's available on Amazon, wherever you get your books from. It's on many ebook sites, so just look into it. All right, let's go. The boys broke their stance long enough to get out of the way. Seth dove right. He let out a small oomph sound as the breath left his body for a brief moment when he hit the ground. Junior moved left, tripped on a dark rock, hit his head on the wall, bounced off it, and passed out cold. The rabbit beast missed them both and smashed into a nearby wall head-on, disintegrating on contact. While the rabbit beast reformed, Seth managed to find his breath and get up onto his knees. He grabbed a nearby rock, still warm from the glowing and singing, and chucked the rock into the glowing blue pool, which exploded, sending a large beam of blue light straight up and out of it. This light hit the ceiling of the cave and shot off in two different directions. Seth shielded his eyes for a moment until the blue explosion of light subsided. When he could see again, he looked for the rabbit beast who had reformed and was now charging at him like a bull. Seth got up off the floor as the rabbit beast missed him by inches. It tripped and fell, but didn't explode on contact. Seth looked down into the glowing pool, and what he saw there were hundreds of small blue glowing, jagged sharp pieces like shards of a broken mirror. He grabbed one, the biggest one he could hold, 
and started to run towards the beach, towards the place where all of this had started. He thought that might be the best place to end it. The rabbit beast grabbed Seth's right ankle just as Seth passed it. It held him there for a moment as a smell of burning flesh and cloth reached his nose. Seth wriggled free and took off for the beach. The rabbit beast got up off the floor and gave pursuit. Seth rushed out into the sand and turned just as the rabbit beast leaped towards him, its ears pointed down ready for a good old-fashioned gore. Seth on instinct squatted down and as the beast sailed over him, he looked up. That's when he saw the area where the heart was located. He jabbed the blue glowing shard upward and hoped he would hit the right spot. As luck would have it, he hit his mark. The beast let out a scream and then exploded into a thousand pieces of sand. When the grains of sand hit the beach, they were quickly consumed. Seth stood up, glanced around, dusted himself off, and headed back into the cave to check on his friend. The cave was back to its normal suffocating dark, so it was hard to see. But Seth managed to find Junior, who was just waking up. It's all over, buddy. Let's go home, Seth replied, helping Junior to his feet. They made their way home easily, safely, and as quickly as they could. The phone was ringing somewhere inside the house as the old man finished up his story of the living sand. He got up and went inside to answer it. When he rose, his grandkids noticed for the first time the bald spot on his right ankle that looked like something had gripped it and left its mark there many years ago. The end. And happy Halloween.